Welcome to Roundup Day 2017. If you are just drifting in off the street and are alarmed by what you see, you have a reason to be, all right? Uh, big day we have every year, Roundup Day. We're trying to round all of our people back up, get them in church, and uh, thus the cowboy theme. Uh, when I put this on, I become holy smoke. So that's just, this is, my, this is my second identity. I just didn't bring my guns in here because I really didn't want to scare you too bad. But uh, glad you're here today, and I'm so glad that God is going to speak to your heart from his word that we're going to look at this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know the Apostle Paul used a variety of images to illustrate not only the Christian life, but also the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul used many of these images from the arena, from the sports field. I believe Paul was a sports fanatic. He uh, alluded to the Olympian Games in his writings. He talked about fighting the good fight of faith. He talked about running to win the prize of eternal life and the crown of life. And I just got to believe deep down inside my heart that if some of our modern day sporting events were held back in Paul's day, he would have used those as illustrations as well. For example, I believe one of the best illustrations to describe the function of the church is football. And, I, and I, listen, I'm really not stretching for this. It, it really is a great illustration of the concept of team unity. You've got to have a bunch of guys come together and become one if you're going to do great things on the football field. And it's just not one guy that can do it. It takes a whole team. All right? Got, got a few. An image is worth a thousand words, so let's just look at a little film here. Watch this film. We're going to highlight a, a guy right there, slot receiver, cuts across, nothing open. He works his way in the end zone. Quarterback sees him, throws, catches it, touchdown. Greenwood Bulldogs scored another six points. Don't you hate parents who brag about their kids all the time? Well, I'm not bragging one bit, but that was number six, slot receiver for Greenwood. Our own Zane Harmon caught that touchdown pass. That was great. That was awesome. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. Gary, we were playing Northside. Sorry, sorry, about that. sorry about that. We whooped Northside pretty bad. But uh, that was the end of the, uh, of the second quarter. Second play of the game, Zane actually broke his little finger. He, he looked down, and his finger, he said, was sticking straight out that way. And I said, well, dude, what'd you do? He said, well, I just pulled it back in place and kept playing. And he, he caught that touchdown pass with that. So I'm not bragging about him. That's just kind of what he... He's tough like his mama, you know. <laughs> Zane got a little right up. Everybody did a great job, you know what? But scoring a touchdown is just not a one-man affair. It, 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 it takes the whole offensive unit to score a touchdown. For example, look at this same clip about pointing out a different kid. This time it's number 13, our quarterback, Connor Nolan. He's already signed with the University of Arkansas. Nothing was open on the left. He scrambles to the right, waits right at the perfect time, throws the touchdown pass. What a great quarterback we have. Really, I mean, he really is a phenomenal kid as a senior in high school. Connor Nolan, watch him in the few, next few years. He's going to make an impact the Arkansas Razorback. But you know what? Even if you do have a great quarterback, you can't win games with just a quarterback. It takes more than just a quarterback. Come on, help me out, people. Are you with me? 
For example, we're going to say, play this same clip again. Now watch the right end on this third clip right there, number 75. Watch what he does to his man. Woo! Man, that allowed Connor to go to the right and throw the pass. Who is number 75? I affectionately call him Tiny. He's 6'6", 213 pound, Hayden Cantrell, our very own little tiny Hayden Cantrell. He and... Did I say 200? 300. There you go. I'm sorry. Did I say 200? I'm sorry. Let me, let me make 6'6", 313. Hayden Cantrell. That makes it real funny when I call him tiny, right? Love Hayden, man. What a good kid. But you know what? It's just not the offense. You can have a great offense, but if you don't have a good defense, you're not going to win the game. So let me just back up a few places. Brent, is this okay with you? We do this. Back up a few, because you are a Greenwood Bulldog, really, at heart. Back, here's defense. Look on the left side, 51. A defensive lineman, uh, Morgan Hanna, used to come to church here. And number 34, Nick Vota, linebacker, came in. They stopped their running back in the backfield them to punt the ball so we could score the ball. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? It's not just one kid that makes a great team. It's 22 out there working together that makes a great team. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of a football game is 22 men on the field desperately needing rest while 75,000 fans are in the stands who desperately need some exercise. Yeah. <laughs> My point is this, to have a great team, you've got to have great players who come together and function as one. And that is a perfect illustration of the church. It's a whole lot of us with our different gifts and abilities and talents coming together to form one team, one body. Now, the Apostle Paul didn't have football to use as an illustration, so he used something, I guess, better than football to illustrate this. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He takes the human body and uses that to illustrate the function of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Just listen to this passage as I read it for you today. Several verses, but you can, you can keep up with me and, and read it along with me if you like. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says in verse 12, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, 
where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet only one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having even greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no division or schism in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and you are members individually. And may God bless the, the reading and now the preaching of his word. Here's what I want you to see from this passage. The church, that's us, we are the body of Christ. And what is true about our physical bodies is also true about our spiritual body known as the church or the body of Jesus Christ. When the church is functioning normally like it's supposed to function, it operates just like a healthy body when it is functioning normally. Every person in the church is an important part of the body. Now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us about, number one, our union or our unity within the body of Christ. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Do you see the word members in verse 12? It appears two different times. The word members means parts. God has designed the church as a body, a body of parts or members. Now, we often talk about the importance of church membership, and, and I think it's important to talk about church membership because it is definitely a biblical thing. You see, when God saved you, you were united into the body of Christ. God did not save you to remain an individual that goes about your life independent of his body. Are you with me? When God saved you, he grafted you in to the body of Jesus Christ. And when you are saved, the Holy Spirit connects you with the body of Christ that is the church. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And so as the Lord adds to his body the people who are being saved, the Holy Spirit shapes the church into the body of Christ, and we go out into the world as salt and as light. This body, Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, is to be the visible manifestation of Jesus Christ in this city, and in our world. So what must happen in our church is that we start acting like Jesus Christ. 
And that when we leave the four walls of this building, we go out there into the real world and we reflect Jesus. We are salt in a corrupt society. We are light in a world of darkness. So we reflect Jesus. We behave like Jesus Christ. And then we engage the river valley with the love of Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do. And we do that as the body of Christ. But now as we move on down through these verses, we see something else about us. Number two, our uniqueness in the body of Christ. So in the church, we are united in Christ, yet we are all different and unique in the way that God has gifted us and the way God has created us. Kind of like a football team. Okay? I'm going back to the football thing. You can't just have a team full of quarterbacks you got to have a quarterback, but you also have to have linemen. You have to have running backs. You have to have slot receivers, wide receivers. You need defensive linebackers and cornerbacks and safeties. And, oh, yeah, you've got to have kickers. Punters are real people, too. There's a joke about that. Y'all laugh, all right? Look at verse 14. For, in fact, the body is not one member... But it's many members. Now think about your own body. And I think you can figure this out. Our own physical bodies. Did you know that there are over 200 bones in our body? 650 different skeletal muscles. 210 different cell types. You are one body, but yet there are unique parts within your body. Some of them you see, some of them you don't see. Dozens of organs inside of us, miles of veins and arteries. All of us should have ten fingers. <laughs> but you know what? Those ten fingers are all different, and they all do different things. Okay? Look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, guys, this is amazingly insightful, is it not? In my opinion, feet in and of themselves are not very attractive. At least my feet aren't. That's why I keep mine covered up most of the time. And could I say, some of you need to do the same. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's laugh a little bit. Some, some people, you know, some people have okay feet, and they can wear flip-flops. <laughs> I'm looking right at Nathan. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a man crush on you or anything, but you do have, you got cool feet. You can wear sandals. I mean, you look okay in sandals. Really. Doesn't he? Come on. I love my wife's feet, and I like it when she wears flip-flops, you know. But me, it's not a good look. It just, it doesn't work. Even, even though they are precious. And that's biblical. Y'all are really biblically ignorant, aren't you? <laughs> precious are the feet of those who bear good tidings, good news. But they're not very pretty, I can tell you that. My, my, feet, my feet are... But you know what? Feet are important. I mean, what, what if... I would hate it if my feet said, You know what? I am sick and tired of being the feet. I don't want to be feet anymore. And my 
feet rebelled and they became hands. Now think about how weird that would be. No feet, four hands. That's not good. Look at verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, in my opinion, again, ears are a whole lot like feet. Neither one of those things get very many compliments. Honestly. People say, oh, you've got beautiful eyes. But when was the last time somebody looked at you and said, oh, you have beautiful ears? Nobody's ever said that to me. It kind of gives me the you know, feeling of the little story of Little Red Riding Hood. Talking to the big bad wolf dressed up like grandma. Grandmother, what big ears you have. That's what they would say. I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't. Here's what I want you to pick up though. There is an error that is stated two times in these verses. It's bad thinking. An error in thinking. What is it? Verses 15 and 16, it's saying, I don't belong in the body. The foot is saying that and the ear is saying that. I don't belong in the body. And I don't know, maybe you have been tempted yourself to feel that way at times. Maybe because you feel different, you feel like you don't belong here. Or maybe, maybe it's because your spiritual gift isn't one of those out front gifts You're not a leader or a teacher or a preacher. And maybe it has caused you to feel just a little bit inferior. And maybe you feel like you're not very important to the church. Here's a caution. Whatever may cause you to feel inferior or unneeded, you don't need to allow that to cause you to pull away from the church. Because you tell me, what happens when something, when a body part is disconnected from the body? It doesn't make it, does it? I don't want to gross you out, but I read just not long ago about a construction worker who was working on a construction site and two of his fingers got cut off. Now what this guy didn't do is say, oh, you know what, I really didn't need those two fingers anyway and throw them in the trash can and keep working. Okay, he didn't do that. What he did do is this. They bound his hand up tightly so it would stop bleeding. They picked up his two fingers, put them in an ice chest full of ice, and carted both the two fingers and the man to the hospital as quickly as possible because time is essential in something like this. And at the hospital, they reconnected his two fingers to his hand successfully. That is amazing. Do you get the point? If you withdraw from the church, sooner or later, probably sooner than later, you're going to begin to wither up, and spiritually, you're going to dry up and die. In terms of Roundup Day, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. God made us to function within the church, the body of Jesus Christ. And something else happens. When you pull away from the church, the church itself is hurt because there is a part of the church that is missing. You're needed. Look at verse 17. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Now, I, I think that is pretty straightforward, don't you? <laughs> it's right there. Just because we're all not the same doesn't mean that others don't need us in the body of Christ because we need each other. That's why this sermon is entitled, You Matter. And you really do matter. So the error is in thinking and saying, I don't belong to the body. And that error is corrected with the truth of God's activity. And what is God's activity? Verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You see, God is working in our church. I believe that. God is working at Kavanaugh Church. And in every authentic New Testament church, God has put the parts in the body and God has arranged this body just the way he wants it. That little phrase, God has set the members, is rich. It means to put something in a specific place. And that's what God has done. So listen to me. When you say, I don't belong here. You're not just doubting yourself, you're doubting God. Because God put you here. And you matter. Now, right before I move on, let me just say this. The body is about unity. The church has to be unified. But it's also about diversity. Just look around us. If, if you were to take a picture of us about 100 yards away, we would all look, we'd all look the same, right? 100 yards away. But when you get up close, man, are we different. We are so diverse. This is a picture of diversity. But God has put the parts of the puzzle together in the body of Christ as he has chosen. Why? Because God likes diversity. And the better we understand the interdependence and the diversity, the better we can fulfill the mission that God has given us, which is to win the world for Jesus Christ. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts. If you're a part, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. There are many parts, but there is only one body. And that leads me to the next thing, the final thing. It's our unselfishness in the body of Christ. Some of the church members in Corinth had perhaps some of the more spectacular spiritual gifts and Maybe they had an idea that other people in the church were not nearly as important as they were. And while the ones we just talked about in the last point had an inferiority complex, these other guys here that we're about to talk about, they had a superiority complex. They really thought they were better than everybody else because of their gifts. And here is the error in their thinking. It appears in verse 21. It's the thing that, I don't need you. I don't need you. The first error says, I don't belong here. The second error says, you don't belong here. The first error said, you don't need me. The second error says, I don't need you. Look at verse 22. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. 
And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. Those parts of the human body that seem weaker are really very necessary to the human body. Notice they only seem weaker. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. Notice that we only think they are less honorable. God sees them as essential and worthy of honor. I mean, come on, guys. Just look at the parts of the human body. Some of our parts we visibly see. But there are other parts of the human body that we can't see. And sometimes the parts of the body that we don't see are more vital to the parts of the body we do see. For example, I would much rather have surgery on my big toe than I would rather have a heart valve replacement. Are you with me? Now, I love my big toe. It means the world to me. And I see it, and I feel it, and I use it. But you know what? I can't live without my heart. And even though I don't see my heart pounding in my chest, I know it's there because I'm alive. I'm alive! And it's because my heart is beating. I need my heart. We need those parts in our bodies that we can't see. And you know what? The same thing is true in the church. There are some of you who are never in the limelight. You're never up front. Others in the church may not even know you, but you are vitally important to the life of this church. You see, just because a part of the body isn't as prominent as other parts of the body doesn't mean that those parts are not vitally important to the body. Therefore, you and I don't have the luxury to look around the church and think, well, I need you, but I don't need you. And you're important to me, but you're not important to me. Doesn't work that way. We may not all be equally visible in the church, but we are all equally essential and needed for the future of this church. And again, the error in thinking is always corrected with God's activity, and it's found in verse 24. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, guys, again, here's the way God sees it. And really, that's the only thing that matters, the way God sees it. He sees the parts of the body that we consider less honorable are really the ones that he honors the most. Because what has he done? God has put this body together. God has composed this body for this time. God has mixed together the parts of the body to where each one of you brings something special to this church. And when you take everything that is brought together from each one of us and mix it together, you've got something great. Come on, man. You really do. That's why I visualize the church to a great football team. I mean, it's just, it's just it's there for me to see. 
Now, again, y'all are sick of me talking about Greenwood. Zane's a senior this year. After he graduates, I probably won't talk about him anymore. So just let me indulge for a little bit longer here, all right? Uh, Greenwood is picked to win the 6A state championship. We've been picked the last two years to win it, and we've gone undefeated until we got to the state championship game the last two years, and we've gotten beaten in the state championship. That's not going to happen this year. Hopefully, we're just going to win them all. But here's the thing about Greenwood School. It is the smallest 6A school in the state of Arkansas. Smallest one. And when our boys take the field against any other 6A team, we've been playing 7A teams, we're oversized. Those teams are bigger than we are. And they have faster players than we have. But we've been beating them. You know why? Because together... We are a cohesive team. And we have great individual players, but we have greater unity. And when we come together, it's everyone doing their part. And it's not just the 22 starters, it's the practice players, it's the trainers, it's the coaches. And it's not just the head coach, it's all the coaches. They're coming together, each one doing their part. You know why? Because that's what makes something great. When just average people come together and do their best, unified, together, it ends up great. And let me tell you, that's the way the church is. Verse 25, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Man, that just says volumes to me. It, it tells me that in the body of Christ... All selfishness needs to be put outside these four walls. We need to be more concerned about each other than we are ourselves. Because that's where division comes. When we get selfish and self-absorbed. Okay, listen to me. y'all. I'm losing you. I'm almost finished, but I don't want to lose you right here. Y'all, have y'all all been to family reunions? You know, you know how it is at the family reunion, everybody's wanting to see each other and love on each other and everybody's getting along with each other and loves one another except that one aunt or uncle or cousin that's really self-absorbed and it's more about them than anybody else. Isn't it amazing that that one person can cause so much turmoil and so much division? And don't you wish... Why don't you just go home? You know what I'm saying? Paul is saying that. He's not saying that here at the church. He's just saying change your attitude. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And listen to this. If one member suffers, all the members should suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members should rejoice with it. Because we're all part of the Bible. The, the Bible says weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. In fact, the New Testament finds numerous one another statements. For example, the Bible says we are to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, build one another up, be devoted to one another, forgive one another. And I love what Jesus said in John chapter 13. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love 
that you have for one another. I was reminded this past week of the famous quote from Vince Lombardi about building a successful football team. Here's what he said. If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for each other. No, I mean it, he said. You've really got to love one another. Each player has got to be thinking about the next guy and saying to himself, you know what, if I don't block that guy, Paul could get his legs broken. I have to do my job well in order for them to do their job well. Lombardi went on to say, the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling that these guys have for each other. Most people call it team spirit. And when the players are imbued with that special feeling, you know you've got yourself a winning team. And can I tell you something? If that is true about a football team, <laughs> it is so much more true about a church. So let me make my application and then we'll close. If this really is the way it is, I mean, if it really is true that my spiritual well-being and my spiritual health depends upon my connection with other believers in the body of Christ, then all I've got to say is this. Every Christian needs to be a part of a local congregation. And I can say that unapologetically. If you are a Christian, you need to find a local church and you need to get plugged in. You need, to, you need to let some roots sink down really deep, and you need to make that your church for life. You say, preacher, you don't understand. I, I have been hurt so many times in church. I just can't join another church. Well, I got two things to say about that. And I really wish, right now I'm wishing I had my guns right here. My six shooters right on my side when I say this. Two things. Number one, you need to realize that you can't wear your feelings on your sleeve no matter where you are. This place is not perfect, okay? No church is perfect. But I'm here to tell you, it's a whole lot better than what you're going to get in the world. Okay? So... Number one, don't wear your feelings on your sleeve. Number two, whoever said that to you and whoever offended you and whoever hurt you, you know what? They're going to have to face God for what they've done. And I'm amazed at the hypocritical people in churches who themselves are so far away from God and they're prohibiting other people from getting involved and coming close to God. So don't, don't be that way, number one. But don't let that person keep you from serving God like you should serve God. So get plugged in. Do we want you here at Kavanaugh? Well, let me tell you, if you're going to act right, and if you're going to use the gift that God has given you to make this a great church, yes, we want you here. That's why we're having those Connect classes on Wednesday night. We started last week. This week is an important week in our Connect class, we're going to talk about what we believe. And if you're thinking about joining Kavanaugh, 
to come Wednesday night or at least get that, that tape of Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday, because you need to know what we believe. I know I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, but i got to say this. Fifty years ago, it mattered If you were going to join a church, you would want their doctrinal statement. You would want to know what that church believed. Number one prerequisite, knowing what they believe. It's really not that way anymore. Today, what people are more concerned about is, are the restrooms clean? And what activities are there for my kids? What you believe is way down the list, but can I tell you, it is majorly important what a church believes. And so, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about what we believe and what our distinctives are. And and you need to come and hear that to make sure this is where God wants you. If this is not the place, there are some really good churches in Fort Smith. You need to go check them out. But let me tell you, for your spiritual well-being, for your spiritual survival and health, you've got to find a church, you've got to get connected, and you must become a member. Amen? That's just the way it is, man. And I will applaud that. So please, please, please get connected. Here's what I want to do as we end this great day today. I want to do it with with an altar of prayer. And I'm inviting you to come and just pray to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? I am going to commit myself to where you want me to be. And if it's here at Kavanaugh Church, make that commitment today and say, Lord, I can make that commitment. Help me to be here every time the doors are open. Because let me tell you, showing up, showing up for church just on big days is not enough. Okay? Showing up for church once a month is not enough. Showing up every other week ain't going to cut it, man. You need to be here every Sunday. You need to be here every time we open the doors. For your spiritual health, you need to be here. The world is beating you down. The world is filling your mind with its philosophy and cramming its junk down your gut every day. You need this place so that you can be healed spiritually and so that you can be God's light in a dark world. So come today and make that commitment. Whether you do it in your pew or down here at the front, say, Lord, help me to be committed Help me to be here every time the doors are open. And Lord, I'm giving you my life to be used in your kingdom.